0: Test, test, this is
1: a test, 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 Jake. Test, one, two, three, test, one, two, three, test, 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 test,
2: test. This is really the cold open to the brand new season. This is what we went.
1: Well, that's what we gotta test these microphones because we haven't used them in months, so like we have to do an actual test to see if they work. Okay,
0: Nicholas? That's what we have to do. Andrew Martin, Andrew Martin, can you hear me? Andrew Martin.
2: <laughs> All right. Hi. <laughs> uh, welcome to uh Tim Bell Pod season three. I'm Nick Alexander, and uh, every Canadian wrestler's finishing move is a boot to the face. I am joined, as always, by Tyler Wood. Hello. And we are, of course, joined by Scouthausen Eagle. Was that a bad impression?) <laughs>
1: Yes, it's very wonderful. It's fantastic. It's great. It's very wonderful that you you name checked the Danhausen here on this very wonderful, exciting podcast. It's much more of a visual impersonation, and I don't. I'm doing it well on Zoom, uh, which apparently has canceled out claps because Danhausen doesn't like claps. That's why.
2: <laughs> that was much better than mine. It's not great though, but it's not great. <laughs> so today we are discussing Andrew Tess Martin and Test has a kind of interesting and weird spot in history because he was never, like, the man, but he was always sort of there for the biggest moments in the Attitude Era. He's, like, very sixth man ish
1: So he is the Lamar Odom of the Attitude Era. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Hopefully uh, he's not found in a bunny ranch, a bungalow somewhere, uh, (laughs) strung out somewhere. But uh, maybe that's a part of the the research that I didn't pay attention to. I don't know. Uh, Maybe some other six-man award winners like Ronnie Cycli. But yeah, Tess, very middle of the road, but was always there. And obviously respected it enough to be kept around for quite some time.
0: That, or they just really like tall guys in the WWE. I don't know. You make your decisions. So I was first introduced to test in ECW, and, wow. uh, <laughs> fuck you, <laughs> <laughs> fuck
1: off. <laughs> oh Jesus! Uh, <laughs>
0: Continue. He he was a terrifying man to a, a teenage Tyler Wood, much the way I, I I don't know how much you guys watched uh, WWE, ECW back in the day, but uh, pretty much a a sound assessment that would also be he was there he was definitely there during it
1: he was also carrying a crowbar around which I gotta believe is an Arn Anderson move as we've discussed here in previous seasons of 10 Bell Pod that is the suggestion that agent Arn Anderson put forth like Test I really need you to carry around a crowbar cause you're not terrifying enough being 6 foot 7 300 pounds you need to be carrying around some sort of large Object middle crowbar
2: to the ring. So, Andrew James Robert Patrick Martin was born March 17th, 1975, in Ontario, Canada. In high school, Andrew played hockey, football, lacrosse. So, he was a very large, very athletic person, hovering around six foot six
1: yeah imagine that motherfucker on skates Uh, just just, just, just think about that fucking motherfucker on skates stop what you're doing and and just think about that test on fucking skates terrifying
2: test was also a uh, pretty big wwf fan growing up he went to shows at the skydome and this would actually lead to his entry into the business one night after a wwf show in canada andrew doxed and creeped the entire roster showing up at uh, planet hollywood to attempt to meet some of the boys uh, somewhere around 95 96 ish which uh, puts martin in his early 20s when he got to planet hollywood the manager just assumed this big bitch was a pro wrestler and he just let him in the vip area where he uh, eventually ran into bret hart and Head of WWF Canada, Carl DeMarco, which sounds like the fakest name for a wrestling guy. Like DeMarco, come on.
1: I mean, that sounds like Vince McMahon's made-up persona to avoid <laughs> Canadian taxes. No, that, that's Carl DeMarco's department, uh, department of Ren- revenue in Canada. Carl DeMarco will be giving you a call, and then all of a sudden, the call Vince like Vince, you didn't pay your Canadian taxes. I didn't. Carl DeMarco was supposed to be taking care
0: <laughs> of all of that for Matt Burns Incorporated. What do you I mean, like? What what is this? You say I I met with the police over Jimmy Snooker? No, that was Carl. That wasn't me. <laughs> no, I don't know what you're that talking about. That was Carl about. DeMarco's apartment. Uh, that's, that's not me. He handles <laughs> all the murders. That's Carl DeMarco's <laughs> place. Carl DeMarco. He's
1: the one that chose with the briefcase of cash to the police department. <laughs> that's not me. No.
2: So, both Brett and DeMarco were intrigued by Andrew's size, so they got to talking, they set up a phone interview, and Brett eventually offered to train his fellow Canadian, Andrew. So, what I'm hearing is, <laughs> Test was a Brett guy.
0: Yeah, there's a Brett guy. I gotcha, I gotcha.
1: Okay, noted. <laughs> this, this episode's gonna go very differently now that I know he's a Brett guy, so... <laughs>
2: So Andrew trained for eight months with Brett and territory wrestling journeyman Leo Burke before debuting in the Canadian Indies as Martin Kane in 1997. Seems like he mostly worked battle royals, which I believe is pretty standard for pro wrestlers fresh out of class. I mean, that was my first match was a like Royal Rumble style match
1: because for the most part, you want to get somebody accustomed to being in a ring without like freaking out and like (laughs) fucking up an entire match where like if you kind of freak out in like a battle royal or royal rumble they just throw you over the top and you touch the floor and it's over or if it gets lost in the melee they can just throw you out and that's it and like people just kind of forget about you you can kind of hide the spotlight's not on you and then you just get accustomed to be in front of people because that's something that people don't talk about a lot is like how weird it is to be in front of people performing in that sort of way I mean anybody that's done stand up or improv the weirdest part is not doing the thing the weirdest part is being in front of people and people looking at you in the spotlight that's always the thing that weirds you out the most so when you're doing something where people's like well being and bodies are in somebody's hands you want them to be as comfortable as possible and as ready as possible and acclimated to it as much as possible. And battle Royal Royal rumble style matches are kind of the best way. And you just mentioned Leo Burke as being one of his trainers. Like you couldn't pick a better guy to teach anybody. And, and it's, it's always funny like, Oh, this guy was trained by Brett when really was probably Leo was doing all of the heavy lifting (laughs) and doing all of the work and the constant stuff that Brett probably didn't have the patience to do. And probably the first time that, test hip toss somebody it was probably leo burke and i had the chance to meet leo burke and he was just an absolutely pleasure of a man and you couldn't pick a better wrestling trainer
0: well even still going into training right off the bat we know that test was a better wrestler than bill goldberg
2: (laughs) in 98 test worked some for the world wrestling alliance out of massachusetts where he worked with the always fun Vic grimes a very young edge and Mike Tyson punch-out character Bart Gunn. Throughout 98, Andrew continued training with Dory Funk Jr. at Funk's Funkin' Dojo out of Ocala, Florida. And my only point of reference for Ocala is that A Day to Remember song, which is a reference too new for Jake and too old for Tyler. I am alone. So obviously the Funks are very well connected in the pro wrestling world. And that would help Andrew kind of skip to the front of the line, earning himself a developmental contract with a strong showing in a dark match, September 28, 98, against Scott Stevens.
1: Early WWF developmental process was just very weird. There were certain indies that guys did. The indies were not as, like, in every town as they were now. I've seen multiple VHS tapes of the WWE shows and like the guys you just listed. If I worked at the last place I worked, I'd probably be looking through listings to see if like there was a Martin Kane somewhere on there. There was probably a match at some point in time on a VHS tape that's now probably sitting in a storage shed just melting together on tape. But yeah, like guys who do a couple indies, they'd be like, oh, this guy's got a good look. Go to these seminars with. Story Funk, you'll learn a lot in like three days, and you're in the WWE now! <laughs> like, just very matter-of-fact, and it, and then you're doing tryout matches and just, they, they hired you you're like, oh, let's develop you. Well, how the fuck do we do that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> like, just put you on TV. Cool, let's do that. <laughs> like, well, let's just have them wrestle like dark matches. Okay! It just, it was such a weird time, and I, the fact that they got the talent they got out of that process just still boggles my mind.
0: This is a well, question that that I like kind of asked myself when I saw that he was going by Martin Kane so close to Kane debuting and like wondering if they could get some I, like in my head, I was like, oh, that's like a smaller indie trying to capitalize on something. Complete coincidence from what I can tell. like I think he started going by Martin Kane just like a little bit before Kane debuted in the WWF.
1: Yeah, and I guarantee he dropped it as soon as Kane showed up because mm. I've had people tell me that I can't call myself Jake. Because of Jake something? No, because of Jake
0: Roberts. Oh, Jake Roberts. That makes way more sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I've been around for 20 years. Uh, I've actually been longer around than Jake something. If anything, Jake something should change his fucking name because of fucking Jake Manning. How about that?
0: <laughs> uh, that's a thought.
1: Regardless, uh, yes, I was told that I couldn't, couldn't <laughs> be Jake because of Jake Roberts because there's only one Jake and there will only be one Jake. That's insane. And now there's, uh, yeah, I I was literally told that I think like twice in my 20-year career.
2: Jake's such a like, you know, that's just a that's a pretty normal name. It's not like Yeah, you're... I
1: know. But that's why you get all those weird names that they had for like Garrison Waller and Jackson Reich. Ka- yeah, Cameron something or other. Cameron
0: Grimes.
1: Cade whatever. Like cuz they they couldn't use any other names like i guarantee they there's a time where like oh there can be no other steves because of steve austin so
2: according to pritchard vince russo sees test and he goes oh this is a new young kevin nash let's put him in dx and he pitches this to some of kevin nash's best friends triple h sean and X-Pac, which is probably the wrong way to go about it that and mostly because test was greener than the Grinch's ball sack. They said, no, thank you.
0: Weird thing here too, something that I noticed uh, about Test, he sounds a lot like Kevin Nash. I don't know if you caught any of that in any of the interviews or anything, but it's like his voice is like reminiscent of Kevin Nash's.
1: Yeah, but when he talks, he's not as cool as Kevin Nash because ain't (laughs) nobody cooler than that motherfucker. I'll tell you that much.
2: Even though we didn't get into DX, uh, Andrew is now on the radar of Russo. He's on the radar of that other Vince. So they say, fuck developmental, you're going straight to TV. So here's Andrew, 23-ish years old, closing in on about two years of training, armed with the experience of less than 20 matches ever, and all of a sudden Stone Cold Steve Austin is your coworker. He would debut in the WWF October 25th, 1998 on an episode of Heat, as the bodyguard of the band Motley Crue, who were performing on the show and only a decade too late. Test was mic checking by saying, Test, Test, before he was cut off by Road Dog and a, and a star was born. I remember this episode vividly. I remember him
1: being on the bus with Motley Crue. Like, <laughs> it was during, gosh, it was when Motley Crue they released the greatest hits album and then, like, one new song. It was, like, during that era of bands that, like, they'd release a Greatest Hits album, even though they've already released three of them. Here's another one. But this one has a new song on it. And then one song is a live version, and the other one is an unreleased recording. It was this wonderful scam that, like, Poison and Quiet Riot and all these, all these bands were perfect. Kiss were perpetrating at this moment in time. Like, it was a wonderful thing, and the only person that looked like they did in the 80s was Tommy Lee. <laughs> so... I just I remember this and I remember that being the introduction to Test and I thought Molly Crue was the coolest like thing in the whole world. And you think then in my mind that I would be like, Oh Tess, he's the coolest person in the world. Uh quite the opposite. I'm like, what the fuck you doing hanging out with, with Molly Crew, you fucking poser. <laughs> like <laughs> so funny. So immediately I did not like Test for for that specific reason. But I do remember a lot those those Sunday night heats, like Road would always do something musical. Like I'll never forget the the Ron Killings episode, how weird that was, where it culminated with them rapping together at the end of Sunday Night Heat. I think Sunday Night Heat was the original Mass Singer, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I think that's I think that's what they were going for was was Mass Singer with Sunday Night Heat in those early days.
2: The next night on Raw, the Motley Crew was back to perform with DX, and towards the end of a song, obviously a planted fan. Runs out, and Tess kind of picks him up, and Fireman carries him away. Nothing too fancy, but that's sort of the first official move I guess Tess does in the WWF. Not a lot happens for Tess until December 14th, 98, when The Rock was defending his world title against Triple H. There's some uh, fuckery with some ref bumps. China's involved, HBK, yada, yada, yada. Triple H is going to win, but then steps over the top rope, big old test. And Cole and Lawler are like, wait, isn't that for some reason the bodyguard of Motley Crue? Why is he here?
1: <laughs> this guy who is the bodyguard of somebody who had a paid appearance with us, and he's still here. He's <laughs> still okay. Let's just let it happen. It's like that one time that Lamar Jackson showed up to Dynamite in Baltimore, where if like, Lamar Jackson's, like, bodyguard showed up next week for Dynamite. And we were just like, yeah, sure, let him in the ring. Fine, fuck it. That's okay. <laughs> like, that's cool. Like, this guy was hanging out backstage with Lamar Jackson. Okay, let him wrestle.
2: Tess hops in the ring. He pump, handle slams, Triple H. So The Rock, you know, retains his title. And as far as debuts go, Triple H, The Rock, the main event, like, he's getting, he's getting thrown in there.
0: Yeah, there's something that can be said about Test's uh, career. It's not that he didn't have opportunities.
2: Yeah. So, a week later on the December 21st 98 episode of Raw, uh, Martin made his for reals in ring debut teaming up with The Rock to beat Triple H and my boy X-Pac <laughs> by uh, DQ. So, Test gets his first official ring time with Triple H who sells his ass off and, you know, tries to make Test look as good as he can. Test also gets a little ring time with X-Pac. But this match is eventually ended when Kane comes down, interferes, and swerve bros everyone to join the corporation. So from paying $28 for an unseasoned hamburger at Planet Hollywood, to doing what equates to about 11 open mics, to working with three of the greatest wrestlers of all time, and action superstar Rocky Maivia on the flagship show of the biggest wrestling company on the earth in like two years. Yeah, this wrestling shit's easy.
1: (laughs) I love the digs that you just made in that comment. I love that you got to dig in for his his inexperience, but you also got to dig in for the cuisine at Planet <laughs> Hollywood because you as a chef just cannot stand any type of substandard chain restaurant <laughs> cuisine that you had to get it in in the middle of a test episode. <laughs> Kudos, sir. I'm so glad that Ten Bell Pod is come back for you to get out all your grievances for all the chain wrestlers. I can't wait for
0: episode two where you shit on Applebee's.
2: Can't wait. I'm going to work that in now.
0: Hey, man, they give you like a dozen shrimp for a dollar. Let's take it easy on Applebee's. The two for 20 is great.
1: The two for 20 is great. I'm be so mad when he shits on them. So mad.
2: Tess finds himself in one of the biggest factions of the Attitude Era, the corporation. And, you know, he wasn't the star of it, but he was there. Test is hitting the road with Mankind, with Owen Hart, with Triple H. He's getting TV spots with The Godfather, with Matt Hardy, and was even part of that Royal Rumble qualifying match that uh, China won to become the First Lady Royal Rumbler.
1: Was this the Test era where
2: he had that mesh
1: shirt that had the weird-looking T on it? Is Is this this era... Hey, or, am I, or am I speaking too soon? Because it like it was a T, but it had like a like a moon on it, and then looked like a yeah. Pardon like me, wants spur. to say that's
0: like a little later.
2: That you know what? I think mesh T shirt, literal T shirt, is about a year off. He's wearing this like weird kind of belly shirt that has a zipper on it. At this point, I, I oh, it's, this it's is the, the weirdest okay. fucking shirt. I no, know.
1: I know these. This that, he was he's wearing my clubbing outfit. Yeah. <laughs> when I, we go to my all age nightclubs in, oh in, in the quad cities, like that's the exact outfit I was wearing. Yes, I know the now I know what era. So thank you for clarifying what era of Tess fashion we're in. <laughs> um, it, it is, it was the hot shit at the time.
2: So Tess made his pay per view debut at 99's Royal Rumble, getting uh, chucked out by Stone Cold before Vincent Kennedy McMahon won the whole thing. It was that Royal Rumble. After the Rumble, Test would get into the tag team scene, which was uh, beginning to blossom into one of the greatest eras ever for tag team wrestling. So again, he wasn't the Hardys, he wasn't Edge and Christian, but he was—he was in that scene. He was doing it. Test would join up with Corporation pals, uh, usually Ken Shamrock or Big Boss Man. Uh, he team up with D'Lo Brown for his first ever WrestleMania at fifteen, losing uh, to Double J and Owen Hart, the champions at the time.
1: Double J, my coworker. keep that in mind. You know, when you talk about how wonderful it is to be a co-worker of Stone Cold Steve Austin. I still wake up in the middle of the night and, and be like, thank God I am, I work with Jeff Jarrett as a, as an employee. Like, <laughs> and I'm being honest. I mean, I'm very truthful. So I'm just saying, I feel like Tess sometimes. You're like, ah, oh, man, I'm so lucky.
0: Yeah, I d- I've heard great things about his guitars. I've seen them being constructed. I assume he does that himself. Yes, every, every bit of it.
1: He gotcha. strings them. He even tunes them before he bashes them over people's head. I always say it's very unnecessary, but Jeff's <laughs> like, you got to go the extra mile for these guys.
2: Later that same mania at 15, uh, he and Triple H helped Shane McMahon retain the European title against uh, X-Pac. They, they cheated my guy. So he's all up in the corporation, but he's uh, eventually removed, and he joins the union, every wrestling promoter's biggest fear. Union would uh, have a little feud with the corporation, leading to an eight-man tag at 99s over the edge. They'd get the win, but creative kind of had nothing for them, and the union was broken up by Hulk Hogan.
1: Yeah, you know, nobody ever talks about that. Like, I feel like if David, David Bixpan was around, he would be talking about this nonstop, like, of course they have a faction called the Union going against <laughs> the corporation. And then, like, bring up like certain tweets from like several years ago about Vince shitting on unions and how we all need to have unions when unions would be the worst thing for professional wrestling because we're all stupid and we would <laughs> fuck it all up. But yeah, like that doesn't get enough play. I feel I feel like we need if Twitter was around, uh, the union would have stuck around solely just so people could bitch about it.
0: Hey, whoa whoa wait a minute this sounds like a ford f-150 commercial is it no no it's not it's a commercial for the tin bell pod patreon hey guys it's tyler here from tin bell pod just taking a moment to remind you guys that if you want to you can support us over on patreon as well we really appreciate you listening we hope you enjoy the rest of the show i really need a ford f-150
2: Then Tess gets into arguably the biggest storyline of his career when he tried to get with the boss's daughter, Stephanie McMahon. So for a little context, this whole story is kind of in the background of a much larger feud between Vince and mostly Triple H, but with DX. This started when Vince screwed Triple H out of the title at Survivor Series, uh, eventually letting the Big Show win and become champion. But before we get to Triple H, Test had the first go through Shane, who was all like, only I get to decide who fucks my sister, which is always a weird hill to tie on. That would lead to a love her or leave her match at 99 SummerSlam, which Test won, gaining Shane's blessing, and he was like, you can now fuck my sister, I guess.
0: That storyline that we are all thinking about right now, that is my biggest regret that it never happened. Like that prime... attitude era one that Vince pitched where he's like all right I guess this was a little later when she first got pregnant it's like all right who fucked her was it me or (laughs) you Shane who was it
1: (laughs) and I love how like Shane's like I jumped off the titantron on top of you went in for the pin you kicked out at two and then you you Give me a big boot and beat me. I guess you can fuck her now. I've done everything I can to beat you. I'm like, <laughs> sure, all right. Like I, I, I jumped off of something really high onto you, and you didn't stay down for three seconds. I guess. I mean, that's exactly how I defended my sister's honor all through high school. So, I mean, Shane, me and Shane McMahon were defending my sister's honor throughout high school during the nineties.
2: With the family blessing, tests and stuff, uh, they start dating. There, there's some fuckery here or there but you know for the most part they're 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 going strong they eventually make plans to get married so the original plans for this angle were for tess to leave stephanie at the altar thus turning mega hill which you know could have put his career on a totally different path but as most of us know uh, this is not what happened the wedding was set to take place on november 29th 99's raw and first important note to this is that throughout the night, they're showing clips from the uh, bachelorette party uh, with Steph. It's some friends. I don't know if they're kayfabe or her real friends, but uh, Mula Mae Young's there. Uh, they were
1: local extras. That's as close to friends as she's ever going to have her entire <laughs> life. So.
2: And then uh, second point, as a wedding present from Vince to test, he got to take on Triple H one on one with the ref wearing a uh, Vince McMahon mask. And to explain that a little bit, Vince had kind of a restraining order where if he got within 50 feet of Triple H, he would get arrested. So the, the, the whole was like, oh, is that Vince under the Vince mask? That, okay, now, now you're there. You're there mentally now. Uh, eventually, Triple H brings in a chair. The ref yanks it away. Trips uh, recovers. He eventually gets test down for a pin, but the ref won't count. So Triple H punches him, and he tries to take off the mask which makes Shane run down. He grabs a chair, bonks Triple H in the head with it, and Tess gets a really fast count for the win. So this is all right before the wedding. <laughs> After that match, though, they show another clip of Steph, and she's having just one last drink, but it was served by a very specific bartender who was who was on camera when he gave it to her. Cut to the wedding. Everything is going as planned, but uh, right before Tess can say, I do. Triple H's music hits. He comes out and he shows a nice little video of him driving down Las Vegas Boulevard. He pulls into the Little White Wedding Chapel with uh, Stephanie, who has passed out, all with that bartender uh, mentioned before uh, filming. And uh, that leads me to believe he is not a bartender at all. He uh, not only spikes Steph's drink, yeah, never mind. I'll just cut it there. <laughs> that was going nowhere. Oh, you
1: you had an insensitive joke about all this? <laughs> no. About this insensitive uh, situation that w- does not stand the test of time? You have a joke you don't want to say in front of a microphone, Nicholas? How dare you? How dare you hold back for this audience that have waited several months for the return of Ten Bell Pod, and you are not going to make a joke in this particular instance and just say, fuck it. They got married in a drive-through. Next thing, Tess was surprised. <laughs> Is that what we're doing? Cheating the fans? Fine. I hope. I hope the wait was worth it, folks.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. So yeah, uh, I guess. I guess Tyler, you you can. You weren't alive yet, but Jake. <laughs> uh, do you I, first... was, I, I was.
0: Uh, I was five. I was five. <laughs> so he wasn't online,
1: as uh, a comic one said one time. It's like he wasn't. <laughs> He wasn't online yet. He was, he was alive, he just wasn't online yet. But yeah, yeah I, I remember watching this live and... Yeah, it would have been interesting for Tess to leave Stephanie at the altar because he would have got the heat. Why would he have gotten the heat there? Oh, he would have. He, he would have been the bad guy in the whole situation. How, how and would like, he have
0: been the bad guy if the corporation are like the shitty people and he's like, Fuck you, Stephanie.
2: It's a little bit after uh, the McMahon family is super over as faces and DX are the hills here. So he would have turned gotcha. on uh, her, I guess, maybe join DX at that point. I don't know what the plans were, but, uh, you know, it didn't happen.
1: Okay. Well, because cause it just, I it really felt like Triple H scooped the entire heat of the situation. Oh,
0: percent like, dude.
1: And fucking like... Tess just looks like the biggest cuck bitch that that ever was. Like I didn't know the word cuck at this moment in time in life, but like if somebody like, told me the next day, yeah, you look like a cuck bitch. And I'm like, huh? And they explain what a cuck is. I'm like, oh yeah, that's exactly the best way to put it. Yeah, a fucking Tess look like a cuck. Like, that's exactly.
0: If anyone here is confused as to what a cuck is, I recommend some uh, WWE Monday Night Raw from circa 2019. Really going to cover it. Uh, they had two concurrent storylines going at the same time. With this, like me looking back as a fan that was not around for this and the way that they've shown this in retrospectives, I only really saw test as like, oh, he was a tool that was used to get Triple H massive amounts of heat that he steamrolled into the main eventer that he is now. And like this is this is really Test's peak here.
1: Yeah, and then also too, like when Stephanie is like, I was down with it. Then it makes him look even stupider. <laughs> like I was like, they put him out there with the rock to tag with the rock. He had opportunities and they just Maybe I'm back on the, the, the test was wrong train, but like coming into this episode, I'm like, ah, fuck it, Tess has his opportunities. But as we get to this point, no, he was <laughs> fucked. He was fucked from the get-go.
0: <laughs> it is the ultimate burial for her to get drugged. And then the guy that did it, she went like, yeah, fuck you, I'm, I'm going to go with him. That is yeah. on another level of not just problematic, but psychologically fucked up and a great window into Vince McMahon's mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is, this is how females operate. This is how the world operates. This is exactly what you do. And somehow this guy surprisingly had sexual allegations against him. Surprisingly.
2: Surprisingly, he's still alive. <laughs> Yeah, you'd think that naturally the biggest feud in the world would be Test seeking revenge against Triple H. But the next week on Raw, Test and Kane lose to Triple H and X-Pac. And it's really doesn't get better from there. Uh, like I said, the, the bigger picture here is that Triple H is feuding with Vince. And at Armageddon 99, they're going to have a match. And Test, you would think, would interfere in that match. But he doesn't. In fact, he's only on the pre-show on Sunday Night Heat. And then, yeah, at Armageddon, that's when Steph turns on Vince. Uh, she joins up with Triple H, letting him hit Vince with the sledgehammer. This brings in the Helmsley-McMahon era, before it became a real thing like three years later. As far as Tess goes, Steph and Triple H would kind of like torture Tess a little bit, putting him in like handicap matches. I think DX mistakenly broke his nose at one point. It could have all been kayfabe, but they turned it into kayfabe. And that would be like, okay, put some more sympathy on the baby face. Not only did he lose his girl, he got fucked over. Now they're putting him through hell. Time for him to come back and beat Trips at WrestleMania. You know, good beats evil. But from here, he's like firmly planted in the Met card.
0: That's that goddamn mess shirt, man.
2: <laughs> on January 17th, 2000's episode of Raw, Test beat Big Boss Man for the WWF Hardcore title, which is fine. I mean, you could have been the biggest hill in the company or facing the biggest hill in the company, but here's a belt you have to defend in the bathroom. <laughs> Test would head into 2000's Rumble. He lasted, uh, this is probably, I think, his best Royal Rumble showing, uh, 26 minutes before he was eliminated by The Big Show. Post Rumble, he'd defend his belt here and there before he dropped it to crash on February 24th episode of SmackDown. After dropping the title, Tess got a chance to change it up a little bit when he turned hill and started tagging with Albert, forming TNA, which of course stands for Test and Ass, managed by Trish Stratus.
0: This is just about the time I started watching. Like, I had a video game from when they were a team, and I gotta tell you, coming into wrestling around 2002, 2003, 2004, as a child... With the remnants of the Attitude Era hanging around, there was some weird shit going on. TNA being like pretty far down on the fucked up list.
1: Yeah, but it was like it was TNA because it was Test and Albert, not Test and Ass. Like
0: (laughs) you mean Prince Albert, the guy with all the piercings that I had to Google (laughs) and figure out what that meant? Is that that the guy? I
2: remember putting two and two together with that like ten years later, and I was like, oh, that's. You mean ten years later
0: when he was tensai? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, put, put a piece of that all together.
1: I always, remember, I always remember that thing about Albert where he had, like, the hairy back. Yeah. And as a rib, somebody was going to shave his back. And people backstage lost their fucking minds. Like, that's his fucking gimmick. Don't ruin it. Don't rib. <laughs> Don't rib somebody by fucking up their gimmick. That was a bridge too far for anybody to fucking cross. Like, even X-Pac, you know, a guy who shit in people's sandwiches. Like, absolutely not. We will not shave this man's back as a fucking joke. Now, I lost my eyebrows to fucking Kurt Henning, but I'll be fucking damned if we ever take a razor to this man's back.
2: TNA would send Test on his next year pay-per-views, uh, stopping off at WrestleMania 2000 to beat Head Cheese, uh, Al Snow and Steve Blackman. At Backlash, TNA would beat the Dutleys. But uh, they lost a title shot at King of the Ring in a four corners, which was, again, won by Edge and Christian. And TNA is kind of another example of Tess kind of being overshadowed because, like, Tess and Albert aren't, like, a bad tag team. If they were in the 80s, they would have had, like, a thousand title runs. But Trish kind of has, like, a sunny Candido effect where when Trish Stratus is out there, they're not watching the fucking match. And to make matters worse, they're in this scene with the Hardys, with the Dutleys, with Edge and Christian, who are like burning the house down every single night. Like, sure, you're like a tough, bruising tag team, but Jeff Hardy just swantoned out of an airplane without a parachute. So go follow that with your big boot. Yeah,
1: hell yeah. Fucking all I paid attention was Trish Stratus. Like, I used to, like, search for fucking nudes of her online at this time during dial-up internet. Like, I, yeah, I feel that. Like, especially when I found out she was, like, a fitness model, and I was, like, doing, like, this is how I became really good at searching things on the internet, was, like, looking for, like, fake nudes of fucking Trish Stratus. Jake,
0: what the the fuck do you mean? That's where you became really good at searching things. You type in three words, Trish Stratus nude, and kind of go from there. You, you, you
1: got to dig deep. You got to find the right website. Oh, You don't this lecture me up. on
0: porn, young man. I, I know a thing or two.
1: <laughs> and you got to what you're looking for is at a certain particular place. Trust me. Listen, I have my sources as well, Jake.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I know know how to use them better than you do.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, funny that you were saying uh, every time you're out there, you could not stop thinking about Trish Stratus. Very beautiful woman. Very attractive. All for that. Totally agree with you. Yeah. Uh, and then they'd show Albert, and I'd be like, "He has a pierced penis. He has a pierced penis. His penis is pierced." That's all I can think about when they're out there, because he goes by Prince Albert. Yeah, but that was like a name. It's like his actual are dick you fucking was fucking pierced. Me, Prince. There's one one person allowed to be named Prince, and it's not the <laughs> singer. It's Prince Devitt. Okay, that's the one guy. Uh, that's the one guy.
1: Or my coworker Prince Nana.
0: Oh, okay, I'll give you Prince Nana. I apologize. Uh, yes, 100 You
1: better fucking apologize. He'll sign, he'll sign you up for some sort of email blast where Nigerian prince will fucking offer to give you $1,000 if you pay him $10,000 Absol- or I w- some
2: I would extortion. Love I'd love to be a part yeah. of the embassy, whatever it takes. TNA with Trish kept trucking through 2,000. they take a loss to the Hardy Boys and Lita in a six-person mixed tag at Fully Loaded. At Survivor Series, they'd have another mixed tag this time Losing to Steve Blackman, Crash, and Molly Holly. December 28th, 2000, Albert attacked Test at the orders of Steph. So, like a year later, we're kind of bringing this back up. But uh, that kind of broke up TNA and turned Test face. Now, single and ready to mingle, Test bumped heads against Bill Regal during 2001's Royal Rumble match. He tossed him out, and that set up a match for the European title the next night on Raw, which Test won, getting his hands on another WWF belt. It's that long-term
0: storytelling I like to hear about from the Attitude Era. He tossed him out Sunday, oh, yeah, so that yeah, means yeah, yeah. Monday he got a title Bro, shot. you
1: don't even understand, bro. Bro, you don't. Like, <laughs> I'm going to have callbacks that you won't even fucking see, but then somebody will look at somebody fucking funny. In a battle royal, and then they're fighting for a title that neither of them fucking have. I'm just <laughs> saying, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go through the looking glass on this one, bro. I, there are so many deep cuts to the attitude there. That is something that Tony Khan does not understand about booking. You just throw a bunch of shit together, and eventually it all comes together like a kaleidoscope. You know when them kaleidoscopes you have in the dentist office? That in the little hoop game that you you go like this with the ring toss? Yeah, you know, they're both in the dentist's office you play with that and then you take the kaleidoscope and it turns it turns and everything comes together it comes more clear that's advanced booking right there
2: test feud it with Eddie Guerrero losing the European title to him at Wrestlemania 17
1: holy shit that's a good fucking match holy fucking shit I'll never forget re-watching Wrestlemania 17 like gosh I think it was like several years ago and I remember watching WrestleMania 17. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a really great fucking WrestleMania. It was really fucking cool. And then everybody talking about it's the best one. It's the best one. It's the best one. I'm like, okay, well, I'll go back and fucking watch it. Like, maybe it's better. It's better than what I remember because it just seemed like a WrestleMania. And I fucking watched it. And I remember screaming, holy fuck, Tess versus Eddie Guerrero is amazing. And we still have more amazing matches. Like, it, it, it holds up. And Eddie versus Tess is the litmus test. No pun intended, because like, if you're like, oh, the match that seems to make the least amount of sense, or a match you'd be like, least excited to see, and you watch it, and you're like, holy fuck, this is a good match. Granted, it has Eddie Guerrero in it, but, I mean, Test has to be fucking better than, you know, some shitbag that doesn't belong in a ring. Like, you have to keep up with the Eddie Guerrero, you gotta have something, and... Fucking Test does that. Like, this is a fucking amazing match. Highly recommend it. It's probably the best match a Test ever had, hands down. I. I it has to be. It has to be.
0: Where does this fall in the Eddie getting released? Is it before? Yes. Okay. Yes, it does.
1: Because I think it came back in 2003.
0: End of 2000, April 1st, 2002. I'm on his Wikipedia. Uh, yes, it is like 2002, 2003. So this was like not long. Before both of them would be away from the company for a little yeah. bit, yeah, interesting timing
2: and to sort of speak to the Eddie match test, you know standalone test as is he's a very i think he's a solid big man, but he seems like he's an excellent dance partner because he can work with someone like an Eddie and you know have a great match, like Jake said, he can work with a triple h, and I think trips made him look great when they work together uh he can work with an x Pac. he can work with tag teams like he obviously i guess takes instructions well and is okay to Mm -hmm. bump for guys which is i you know i think is a good quality in a wrestler
0: funny you say that i have a a line from a sabu shoot interview about him bumping coming up stay tuned
2: okay
0: (laughs)
1: well the test that comes back is not the the wide eyed listen to everybody individual there there's a there's a, a kind of a darkness that happens a little bit later but but the test right here I th- I think you're exactly right Nicholas is a a good quality to have uh, somebody who's probably like a six but has the ability to listen to somebody that could take him to a nine or a ten yeah like I I think I think like that's something that. That, that is a wonderful gift to have as a wrestler like you know, we always talk about these guys that can make guys look like a nine and a 10 but also like there's a lot of twos that can barely get to sixes and there's a lot of sixes that when they're in there with somebody they can make somebody look good they can't but then there's somebody it's always important to have those guys that are that are sixes that have the ability to listen and find themselves looking like a 10
0: would you guys consider his feud with triple H the peak of his career or this match with Eddie Guerrero at WrestleMania?
1: I'd say in rank. Like I think right here, like after watching this match with Eddie, if you're looking at it, you're like, yeah, this guy can fucking go. You know, I, I think, I think you're looking at it like, okay, well maybe there's something there and we just haven't figured out what it is yet. And I think when we see the kind of the booking going forward, you know, it's kind of the culmination of that. Like I, I think as we start listing up some of these matches and, and some of the things coming up, it, it'll definitely look like that. But then something got lost along the way. Probably the fact that they took on an entire, another roster of talent <laughs> <laughs> will probably be the thing that pushes them further down.
2: After Mania, it was back to the hardcore scene where Tess would uh, trade the belt with Rhino, win it on a SmackDown, lose it on a Rob a couple weeks apart. Then Tess was part of the invasion angle. Uh, he would first turn on the WWF by costing APA the WWF tag titles, jumping on board with alliance members DDP and Chris Canyon.
1: Cause fuck, fuck the the WWF, fucking especially the, the fucking daughter. Oh wait, she's on our our side. Never mind. Fuck, <laughs> like sure. I'll Stephanie. Let's go. Let's let's watch you go fuck somebody over, and I'll stand on the corner and jerk off. All right, like. <laughs> let's go fuck over the WWF and I'll just stand over here.
0: Man, you're really flexing your knowledge about what a cuck is tonight.
1: <laughs> I, I am. I mean, it is, it is. This makes past...
0: me think you just found out what it meant. Yeah. And I'm saying it over and over again.
2: <laughs> teaming with the Dutleys, test, beat APA and spike at SummerSlam. Uh, he then started teaming with Booker T going into September. Oh one. And they would beat the brothers of destruction for the tag team titles. So it's another belt on, his resume but this is very transitional champion they dropped the belts to the hardys october 8th and it seems like the brothers of destruction just didn't want a job to the hardys
1: yeah that sounds about right like (laughs) (laughs) like just like these
2: guys too small for me on the november 1st smackdown test and booker t beat the rock and jericho for the wwf titles and again lost them to the hardys 11 days later which again seems like the rock and jericho didn't want a job to the hardys Following this, Tess returned to singles competition. He uh, feuded a bit with Edge over the IC title. He would uh, pick up the title, drop it back off at Survivor Series in a US title IC title unification match. On that uh, same night, he won a battle royal that granted him immunity from being fired for a year. <laughs> Which I feel like if I won that, I would get fired as, as soon as that year was up because I would I would deserve it
1: what what reign of terror would you hold in the kitchen Nicholas like, what what if you had a year's immunity from being fired from a planet Hollywood how much shit would you give them on, on their cooking their culinary skills like what would you do to your fellow employees
2: there would be a smoldering planet Hollywood somewhere
0: a great timing considering you almost burned down your apartment tonight
1: fantastic. <laughs> Somebody, somebody was making a subpar burger next door. I got to (laughs) burn this place down.
2: (laughs) So after Tess won the immunity, he started like beating up other wrestlers, but kind of like a lot of stories around this time, they just kind of did away with it and nothing came of it. Rolling into O2, Tess again was kind of in a weird spot with matches. He'd get punted out of the Royal Rumble by Stone Cold again. He and Booker T would lose a title shot at uh, No Way Out to Taz and Spike. He'd do some matches on WWF Jacked, which I don't remember for some. I don't remember Jacked. I mean, Jacked is like AEW Dark. Yeah, it's just like that that
1: show that's taped for an hour before the actual show is live. Okay. Um, we're putting some matches on there. We just we just change out the ring skirts and we put them out there and recap what happened on Raw and. It's just more hours of programming. Okay. So
2: So for Mania eighteen, he was again pre-show when Test, Mr. Perfect, and Lance Storm lost to Rikishi, Scotty Tuhadi, and Albert in a tag on Heat. Now into the brand split era, Test was drafted by SmackDown, where he seemed to do a lot of putting over on house shows, but kind of like kept his image with some TV wins. This is kind of a fun time because we start getting that next generation of WWE popping up. He's wrestling Randy Orton. He's wrestling a young Umaga. And he lost in the King of the Rings semifinals that year to Brock Lesnar. Yeah, it's
1: it's weird because he's caught in between because he was so fucking new when the Attitude Era was going on with guys like Steve Austin who'd been wrestling for seven, eight years. And other people that have been paying their dues for years and then were just coming into being superstars but he was like the new guy Mm -hmm. and then now those guys are the top guys now there's all these new people that went through like a proper developmental system in Ohio Valley training and seasoning and it's the new shiny toy thing and you're not the favorite toy so you're just kind of in this in between era where you're like okay
0: well I don't feel good about where I'm at right now (laughs) like it's shaky ground how much do you guys feel like his later start in wrestling affected him? It wasn't like much later than a lot of people, but he didn't start right at sixteen, seventeen,
1: eighteen. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe he needed that extra time to develop. Maybe maybe it was one of those guys like had to take some juice and work out in the gym for three years. I mean, that'll skip over like years of paying your dues on the indies. <laughs> like during this time, it's probably better to spend three years making sure you look like a monster as opposed to wrestling on the indies. Uh, Thirty pounds lighter, it's it's still in that era where it's it's better to spend three years in gym as opposed to three years paying your dues on the indies, starving. It's it's still in that era, so I don't think it's too much of a detriment. And it's not like I ever was like, who's this old fucking dude, <laughs> like with Motley Crue. So I think it's just more of a situation of timing, and also to him not jumping out of a fucking airplane like Jeff Hardy, that was his <laughs> contemporaries at the time. He was just one of, a, a big dude. So, it's tough to say.
2: On the July 4th episode of SmackDown, Tess, Christian, and Lance Storm formed the Un-Americans. On the uh, July 29th episode of Raw, the Un-Americans uh, left SmackDown and went to Raw. They attacked The Undertaker, and that would sort of shoot off a storyline, leading to SummerSlam, where Taker would beat Test.
1: I mean, two pleather pants guys doing battle against each other. They're like, hey... I'm the one who wears the pleather pants. I wear shiny ones. Mine's patent leather. Let's fight.
2: <laughs> After SummerSlam, the Un-Americans took a bunch of losses before kind of breaking up. October of O2. Tess's career got kind of another little shot in the arm uh, with Stacy Keebler being his mm. on-screen girlfriend and image consultant. And again, this is going to be kind of like the Trish thing where it's like, yeah, Test is in there wrestling, but there's Stacy Keebler. She pitched that he started calling uh, his fans the testicles, you know, like the Hulkamaniacs or, or Jericho-holics. Uh, we don't have that level of branding here at Timbell Pod.
1: I mean, I, I, I remember this, and I, I actually liked it. Like, we, we talked about, like, the whole Trish thing, that TNA was a vehicle to get Trish over, but, like... I think it wasn't quite like this with Stacy. She'd always brought it back to like how can we make you more popular? But yeah. when you're saying on t- on TV, "Hey, you're unpopular. How can we <laughs> fix it?" <laughs> and that's your gimmick? <laughs> that's not, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign.
2: So yeah, Test uh he cut his hair. He went into the uh the shorts, trunks, uh you know, you know, you know what I mean? Bikers. Uh, bikers. Biker, there, there we trunks. go, bikers. Yeah. And the team of Stacy and Test uh, worked they had to do one of those face turns where the crowd forced them to turn face because you know they were getting over at the start of 03 test uh he didn't have a tongue going on until may when he started tagging with scott steiner and uh, this is a you know i think a lot of a lot of focus on tests as far as stuff that uh, it's not great is obviously the steph drug you know vegas triple h thing but this isn't great either <laughs> Test and and Keebler would eventually split up because Tess was treating her like super bad and uh, at bad blood Scott Steiner basically one Stacy from him. So they're just like passing her back and forth
1: as property. <laughs> say it, Nicholas. This woman is property. That was won by Scott Steiner who only merely wants to bring her in so he could stare at her ass while she walks into her job of the ring. Like,
0: uh, say it. Nick, I do have a counterpoint on that where you say that most of the stuff that test was around was not good. Counterpoint. Uh, Triple H was the worst part of that. It <laughs> was. And then uh, a few years later, he went on to um, have a run in with a lady named Katie Vick in a funeral home. Yeah. And he still did just fine. So I, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean?
2: And Triple H did some stuff. <laughs> did a lot of shit. <laughs>
0: But
1: you know what? He was so good at all of it, it didn't make a difference. If Tess just would have been better with some of the shitty shit... That's what I'm like, saying. Like being a faux domestic abuser, if he was just better <laughs> at it or as good as Triple H, he would have a much more successful career. Uh, that's, that's the whole thing. It's, you know, wrestling's crazy, man. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, and it's so funny that we're recording this up. I, I literally just saw on Twitter, like somebody was like posting just gifs or videos from the attitude era and it was the split of scott steiner and test that i'm like oh this is exactly why this app exists is for this to be really relived in in the Twitterverse, and it was just it was good it was laid out perfectly where stacy's on the apron for whatever reason she gets knocked off scott steiner catches her test like turns around and goes what what's my my woman doing in your arms that's my property and then gets rolled up by Chris Jericho um and then they have a match to confirm whose property it is but uh yeah like I remember it being just like really weird like let's imply the test is a, an abuser where it could just be like hey like what's going on with Steiner is Steiner cooler than me and like his insecurities becoming the thing that eats away at him they're like no let's make him a real bad guy because we gotta beat that over people's heads apparently
2: yeah so scott wins stacy they have another match where test wins her back and then kind of how uh test and steiner uh, resolve their differences they they form a tag team and both treat stacy like shit so yes was- i remember that dude i <laughs> forgot about that
1: oh my god what were, what were they thinking <laughs> What were they
0: thinking? This is a good era for that too, because then we're not too far away from Jamie Noble and and Nydia, which I remember fondly as a child.
1: Like it's it's like a situation of like Stacy trying to help Tess, trying to bring this guy back, build up his self esteem, and then <laughs> then <laughs> and brings in Scott Steiner. It worked, <laughs> and then brings in Scott Steiner, and then Tess becomes jealous, abuses her. Then she finds refuge in Scott Steiner when he like. Is very just very creepy with her, but not too abusive. But then has to end up going back with Test, and then Steiner comes back, and then they just both like abuse her. And she becomes like this this person's like, okay, I guess I'm just meant to be abused. Uh, okay, and I just I'll go along with it. This is this is this is my fate and be resigned to it. So,
2: so the two were eventually fired by Mick Foley, who was doing. (laughs) uh, <laughs> a
1: service to humanity <laughs> Be, being the kind person that he is he's like we are doing what they're doing what to females don't wonder why we can't get any woman self-respecting woman to watch this television program fire them both fire them both <laughs>
2: Nick was doing a two night spot as like a co GM kind of thing. And then Eric Bischoff came back and rehired them.
1: So <laughs> Eric Bischoff was like, No, these men, I like the cut of these men's gym. <laughs> like, they can hang out with me at the Gold Club any fucking day and night of the week.
2: At Armageddon that year, Tess and Steiner, they kind of have one last run where they enter a tag team turmoil, a sort of like match tournament type of thing for the tag team titles. But that was won by Ric Flair and Batista.
0: And now, a dramatic retelling of Vince McMahon pitching The Testicles. Oh yeah, this is really going to get test over. We pair him with Stacy Keebler, Uh, apparently she's got a top half too, but I really just see her ass and her legs. We pair them together, yeah, yeah, him and all his vascularness, and and all those mesh shirts. We get them together, and and she's going to come to him one day and go test. We need to rebrand you. You've got all these fans out here. These testicles. (laughs) Oh, she's gonna say testicles. Can you believe it? Oh, man. Whew, I really deserve all my money.
2: he then have a uh, pretty short feud with Stevie Richards, mostly losing all the matches. Royal Rumble. Test was found knocked out backstage, and uh, so he didn't get to go into the Rumble. The person that uh, apparently attacked him and re- and replaced him was Mick Foley. So Mick has it out for Test. Test would get a little revenge on Foley on February 2nd, uh, Raw, when he and Randy Young, 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 Randy, were in uh, attack Foley backstage. But from here, it's kind of a lot of house shows. It's a lot of Sunday Night Heat. It's a lot of losses. Just putting over, you know, the new up and coming crew. Tess would keep on trucking until he re-aggravated a injury in his neck that would put him out for several months. He had to get a spinal fusion surgery, uh, which led to WWE releasing him while he was recovering because Vince is a garbage person.
1: You're broken. Get the fuck out of here.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Go sit in the corner and jerk off and watch us on TV. <laughs> Let me smell your mesh shirt. (laughs) Mmm, I love that musk. I said, I want you out of here, but the mesh shirt can stay.
2: After taking almost a whole year off to uh, heal up, because that's a pretty serious surgery, Tess started taking some indie bookings around May of 05, and uh, he did Wrestle Reunion 2 in Florida. That's you, Jake, right?
1: Uh, not the Florida one. Okay. He definitely did the one in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, where he was not sober. <laughs> I, I, I did not give him any type of sobriety test, but the eye test did not lie. Um, he was, um, not in good condition. I don't know what he took, but he talking was hard. Talking can be hard not good uh, he looked like a million bucks though look like a million bucks uh may even felt like a million bucks but definitely was intoxicated uh under the influence should not be behind a wheel uh, luckily he was staying at a hotel hopefully he slept off whatever before he operated any motor vehicle whatsoever under the condition he was at and that's the first time i met test so like <laughs> and little did i know that that that's how i would meet a lot of Uh, wrestlers that I would watch growing up. It would be at a convention when they've had too much to fucking drink at 11 o'clock in the morning.
2: During this little run here, he'd also have some matches with Samoa Joe in Australia, and he'd rejoin Scott Steiner to beat Ron Killings and Vampiro in Italy. So that's just like a crazy mix of names right there. But by summer of 2006, Test would head to the most extreme wrestling promotion on the planet, WWECW. My favorite version of ECW.
0: <laughs> he
2: uh, made his debut July 4th beating Al Snow. Uh, he'd spend the next few months teaching these amateurs like RVD, Sapu, and the Sandman the real meaning of hardcore, mostly tagging with Mike Knox before uh, heading into the, the most extreme hardcore match of all time. And that is, of course, the extreme elimination shit Oh, yes, daddy.
1: Which I was there for live.
2: Oh shit, really?
1: Yes, I was at this fucking pay-per-view. I'm actually seen on camera at one oh, nice. point in time. I've done a How Did This Get Booked episode, if that's still on iTunes, highly recommend. Yeah, I was fucking there in Augusta, Georgia that night. And I will never forget seeing Arn Anderson and Dean Malenko leave the building as fast as possible <laughs> when that fucking show
0: was over. did you feel the magic that night uh the magic of uh, like the final death rattle of the original ecw (laughs) i
1: i felt i felt like i was like how because i actually had my first extra talent believe it or not i had my first extra talent spot the next day
2: oh nice and
1: Mm. yes and that's also when i was homeless so I I, I, i i was homeless yes I was I was sleeping at the Highspots office cuz Michael Pekikio kicked me out of the Highspots uh intern apartment because I kept getting out bid for houses that I was trying to buy mm. and I I told him can I get get a couple more months he said no I don't want anybody sleeping on our couches anymore so he basically just threw me out in the cold that I had no place to live
0: but you're the man, Scout. Shouldn't you've been camping?
1: <laughs> uh, I I camped out at the fucking couch at the office, and I'll never forget when I did that. Michael Bikikio made fun of me the next day, <laughs> even though he was the man who made me fucking homeless. And keep in mind, I still had to work for that man for over a decade after that. But regardless, I, I what I felt that night was, thank God I have a place to be right now because I'm homeless. That's what I felt. So it was watch it being there for for uh C W december to dismember um was great a great distraction from being homeless that's a, that's that's my review of that pay-per-view
2: you've seen new jack throw vic grimes off the sc- scaffolding you've seen sick nick mondo take a weed whacker to the stomach you've seen uh, necro butcher go through a sheet of glass and then staple a show flyer to his dick where, where do you rank extreme elimination chamber
1: in that list or just in lists of elimination chambers that I can remember
2: <laughs> like <laughs> most hardcore things ever,
1: most hardcore things ever. Uh, not that, uh, <laughs> okay. not on that list. Okay. Uh, if you if that's the list that you have uh not on that one go go find another <laughs> list like uh maybe i don't know elimination chambers that i remember uh 27th how about that <laughs> like or the third. are there are there at least 37 uh, at least uh, are there at least 30 uh, elimination chambers because if not and there's 45 then put it at about 42 how about that
0: so yeah you can put it low and let like other ones fill in over time
1: yeah yeah fill over time gotta keep it as
0: placeholders that elimination chamber match, he didn't look okay. So the, the n- nothing in the match looked good, but it like looked <laughs> like they were trying to build test up a little bit. Uh, he got a couple of eliminations. Uh, I think CM Punk was the first one to go out, but like it, I don't remember quite the full order of who got eliminated. But I know he took out a couple of people, RVD being one of them, and the crowd fucking hated it.
1: <laughs> oh, they they fucking hate it. they they were they were. Okay with Rob Van Dam winning. Mm-hmm. They really wanted CM Punk to win. Yep. He was first one out. Yes, and he was the first one out. So when that happened, like nobody gave a fuck anymore. You could have blew up that ring and people would have just been like, That's it. That's all you <laughs> got. Whatever. Okay. They were not fans of that match whatsoever. And I, I'll never forget the next day when I did extra talent, like seeing Tess in person up close at that moment in time as fucking jacked as he was like he was a terrifying man fucking terrifying
2: following december to dismember greatest pay-per-view in the world test uh worked with cm punk sabu rvd before losing a uh, ecw title shot to bobby lashley at 07 royal rumble following the rumble test just kind of disappeared from tv on uh, February 18th, WWE uh, – I don't have to say that. On uh, February 18th, Jim Ross <laughs> – I almost explained who Jim Ross was. Jesus Christ.
1: Uh, <laughs> He's the voice of wrestling, ladies and
2: gentlemen. Like, don't you know that, Connie? Give the whole,
1: yeah, give, give, give that whole podcast introduction.
2: Jim Ross said that he had been suspended for 30 days for violating the WWE wellness program. Uh, he said that on a blog. He didn't say it like live until a, a week after that announcement, it was reported that Test was uh, officially released from his WWE contract.
1: Did he hurt his neck again? Because that's when Vince loves to fire people. Because if he's fully healthy, like let's keep him on the roster till he fucking
0: hurts himself, then we'll release him. I want to say, well, it would, it would definitely have to be around this time. I was listening to a little bit of a Sabu shoot interview on his thoughts on Test around this time. Sabu and CM Punk were supposed to do a run-in. At some point, and Punk's like, yeah, you know, we're going to hit the ring. You just start selling for us. And then he goes, why the fuck am I going to sell for you? And they go, what? And he goes, I'm six foot seven. Why the fuck would I sell for you? And uh, Sabu said him and Punk just looked at each other, laughed, and went, we'll just kick you in the fucking balls if we need to.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to make someone sell.
0: I mean, that's the
1: vibe that Tess gave off of this period of time, so... This sounds like a fucking true story, even
0: coming from Sabu. What I'm hearing is not a whole lot of testicles in the locker room, and found a piece of messed up ones in the ring.
2: I would assume he's going through a lot during this, cause you know he has the substance abuse problems really ramping up around this point. But also, he came in at the very fucking top. He's probably like very prideful because this is the opposite of his the start of his career where. Triple H will, will, could wrestle him through a great match because he's humble and listening. Where here, he's like, his pride's probably a little injured. And he has to do that, well, brother ain't gonna sell for you, you know, kind of bullshit.
1: Well, yeah, he fucking wrestled like Eddie Guerrero on WrestleMania. <laughs> like, and now, like, I'm being told to fucking sell. I mean, I get that. And and I, it's also a fucking head game thing where if he sells for them. They're like, oh, well, he looks weak. We can't do anything with him because yeah. that's a stupid shit that fucking WWE does. But at the same time, too, it just goes back to something I a lesson I learned several years too late. Nobody fucking wants to work with an asshole.
0: Simple as that. Interesting, too. And this is something that, like fucking with me a little bit. When he was in this run of like WWE he was around he was like 31.
2: Yeah, he's still young here. Remember, yeah. he 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 hopped in at like twenty-three.
0: Dude, he looks like a fucking down home North Carolina fucking stepdad. So <laughs> hard right here. He's jacked to the gills. And like it's freaking me out because I'm about to turn twenty-nine and I'm like, that dude. There is just two years older than I am now, and he, this dude looks like solidly in his 40s. Yeah.
1: yeah, like, he he looks like one of those guys that when you're at the gym at, like, 6 o'clock, he worked an entire fucking day of masonry, mm-hmm. and then walks in with, like, fucking cement underneath his nails, and he just comes in and just... Bench presses with 150 pound dumbbells on each side, rips them off like three sets of 10 and then moves on to like shrugs with 500 pounds.
0: Silent the whole time.
1: silent, (laughs) no headphones, like a fucking psychopath, not listen to a podcast or any fucking music, just goes in, does that shit, goes home, eats meat and potatoes, goes to bed because he's got to be up at 530 and drive 45 minutes to the job site.
0: Dude, listening to music in the gyms for fucking pussies, real men just listen to their own tinnitus the whole time.
2: (laughs) Uh, I could not lift weights to fucking Taylor Swift or whatever the fuck they play over the gym. They play the craziest music at gym
1: oh the the gym i am i'm at is not to get on a sidetrack but it's like a super christian gym because it's south <laughs> carolina but yet they also really like disturbed and like <laughs> like that new metal stuff from 2003 so it will be like a random lincoln park deep cut limp christian song christian strong yes limp biscuit oh, yeah. christian song christian strong song uh, disturbed and it's just a loop of that all day they play the same 12 songs too it's really weird and i think there's eminem in there too hell yeah
2: it's odd some conflicting ideologies in there <laughs> yes all right so after his uh wwe at this point release he would uh make a real real quick stop in tna under his real name andrew martin and he would uh, pick up a win with teammates Abyss and Sting against AJ Styles, Christian, Cage, and Tomko, which, again, just Sting, AJ Styles. Uh, just Test has this craziest intersection of of people he worked with.
0: And then Tomko really puts it over the top.
2: <laughs> Test would spend 08 in Europe, working against uh, Gangrel, Sandman, Rene Dupree. In early 09, Tess would have his last match ever in Japan getting a win. Against Mitsua Naga Nagai, I guess. Mitsuwa Nagai. I um, can't
1: even help you. You butchered it so much <laughs> that I, I don't even recognize that whatsoever. So okay. sorry, you're on your own. Can't wait for the Mitsuhara Misawa episode. <laughs> Please, anybody tweet at us at 10 Pod to insist that Nicholas does it this season.
2: Uh, I have to. I think I did a poll. It's, it's coming up for sure. It's a spoilers guy. I,
1: I love it.
2: All right. So then. You know, here's where things get, you know, real bad on uh, March 13th, 2009 test neighbors, which I never understand how, how neighbors see this, uh, but uh, they somehow noticed him just sitting still for like several hours in his house. So they called 911 and unfortunately Martin was found dead uh, in his Tampa, Florida apartment. It was just four days prior to what would have been his 34th birthday, which is obviously, tragically, way too fucking young. Toxicology reports reveal that uh, Martin was yet another pro-wrestling death caused by an accidental overdose of prescription pain medication. So, yeah, uh, final thoughts on Test.
0: I did not get to experience the 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 peaks of Test's career in the attitude era, but say what you will about WWE CW. I, I was a fan of it because it was the very beginning of WWE kinda introducing independent talent that were grown somewhere else to a bigger market. And Test was a part of that for a pretty substantial chunk of the beginning. And fucking terrifying dude that was there for some of the biggest moments of the attitude era.
2: Yeah, for someone that was kind of thrown fucking face first into the business without a lot of training. Like I said earlier, very solid, serviceable big guy. Like he was he could work with people. He could work with smaller guys if he wanted to, he could work with other big guys. Like uh he had a pretty cool look, you know, the long he jacked as hell, long blonde hair. Uh and like I said up front again Six man of the year. He was always there when you needed him. Solid in ECW, solid in tag teams, solid in single runs. You know, never had that big Hulkamania run, but uh super cool, fun career, crazy amount of people he worked with. Sucks that, you know, the industry got him. But, you know, clearly he's someone that is uh, remembered. He seems, you know, pretty well liked by fans today. If you see a YouTube comment section or something like that, people people are on board with test. So, you know, not, not 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 a bad legacy to leave behind.
1: Like I said, the first time I ever met Test he was highly inebriated. The times that I did extra talent, he just looked like a scary guy you didn't even want to talk to. But I'm curious who was that person at Planet Hollywood talking to Bret Hart that learned under Leo Burke? Like what was that guy like? I I would love to meet that person and see if he was a genuine, sweet person that loved wrestling and would do anything to get into it. Almost to the point of stalking other wrestlers just to get an opportunity to be in it and, and love it so much and just doing whatever he could and, and listening and being courteous, polite and, Just doing whatever he could to be a part of wrestling. I would like to know that person than the person that I met and saw. And I would like that person to meet the person that he became. And and sometimes some people get the opportunity to realize like, hey, I was a dick at one point in time. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. And a lot of people have gotten that opportunity to redeem themselves and change the trajectory of their life. And he never did. That's the problem with drugs and that's the problem with letting injuries eat you up as opposed to attack them appropriately. Instead of like stretching and physical therapy and and doing the things you need to do to take care of your body. Like, no, I'll just take more drugs or I'll just drink or I'll get past it. And it's a trap that, that I myself have fallen into. And unfortunately, being a person that has a story of pulling himself out, he is a cautionary tale. I feel bad because the guy that was hip tossing Leo Burke in Canada probably deserved a second act in life that he never got.
2: All right, that is uh, Andrew Test Martin, and that is uh, episode one of season three. So I guess we're we're back for a a time. Follow us on the social medias. Our Patreon's still up. I swear to God, I'm, we're gonna start posting stuff on it.
1: Yeah, uh, sorry about like the Patreon, like like. Our patrons are probably a little different than most people. We won't be offended if you join the Patreon at the beginning of the posting of the episodes and then after a few weeks of like, ah, oh, the season's over, nothing's up there, and you dip and then just make sure you come back. Like, we'll try and, and post as much as we can, but we we get it. We, we all have busy schedules. Nick is on the West Coast, so that makes things a little tough for me and Tyler. So, like, our lives are very different. I am... F- fucking traveling to every major city and soon every small town with these house shows coming up that will becoming fast and furious so it is very tough but we do appreciate your support on patreon because it does make it worth it and we put a lot of really cool stuff up there and me and tyler will be working on that pretty soon and i think mm-hmm. nick's got some really cool ideas so i i think i think this season the patreon episodes are gonna be Really, really good and, and highly worth your time and money.
2: So, please, any support you could give, we would much appreciate it.
0: Yes, my liver is going to take a beating this year.
2: <laughs> All right. If you see Jake at a show, give him a uh, a free pack of Panini Prism, and uh, we'll see you next episode. Can you hear my dog?
0: Just a little bit. A little
2: bit. Spencer, we're good. I'll hold on.
0: Okay.